There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Good evening and welcome to this episode of oh. Fear Ladies Podcast. And um, with me this evening is Lisa, Christina Hello. and Katie. And we're here to, we're going to go talk about the history of Christmas beers this year, th- this week even. Um, so first up, we will start with what are we drinking? Christina, do you want to? So today was a raid the back of my beer cabinet kind of a day. Um, and I have been hoarding this bad boy for years. Um, this is, uh, this is Boulevard Brewing Company, um, which is in Kansas City, Missouri. And I brought this over, um, from America one time, one of my trips to America, I brought this back and this is the limited edition release ale, Saison Brett, um, smokestack series. And this is from 2016. So I have been hoarding this for quite the, quite a while. Um, on the back, it says a traditional Belgian style saison. Um, then the fun began. It was dry hopped, fo- followed by bottle conditioning um, with, incu- uh, with various yeasts, including Brettamyces. Um, farmhouse sale received three months in bottle age prior to release. Further cellaring will continue to enhance the Brett character if that's what you're after. Ooh. So I have cellared this um, for four years. Wow. Uh, totally intentional. I mean, that's exactly what I planned the whole time. Um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be drinking this today. Very nice. How about you, Katie? I am drinking a Larkin's not my gumdrop buttons gingerbread brown ale. Ooh. I want to try that one. Ooh, and it is uh, so Larkins are Wicklow. Yeah, and it is 6.5%. I don't really know what to expect with a gingerbread brown ale. I don't think I've ever had one before. Yeah. Um, and a, It smells really gingery. It's well, a lov- lovely gingery smell. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, and yeah. I have the Yellow Belly Red Noir. So Ooh, nice. although I've been going through my, my <clears throat> beer advent calendar, I, I just thought, oh, I'll pull out something that looks sort of malty and interesting. And... Uh, I know we say dark red ale, so 4.5%. Uh, you know, always like everything from Yellow Belly, but I, I will uh, hold it up. Uh, and so Ooh. I'll show you guys the glass. So I know you guys who are just listening can't see the glass, but I think we'll all agree that maybe 
dark red and brown mm-hmm. might be the same thing. So that's very dark, very very dark red. <laughs> yes, yes, it is, and I, I like it a lot. But I, you know, I feel like maybe the maybe the border between those is not a real one, yeah, and that's yeah. okay. So bit of a fuzzy border. That's okay. Exactly. Lisa, I was just going to say, it looks like you're about to jump to hyperspace. Like, you look like yeah. you're, <laughs> oh, it does, actually. <laughs> you look yeah, like you're in are, like a they spaceship. They are Christmas lights. Um, and in fact, uh, there's there's a picture of Gritty in the back in the middle of the lights. Uh, but I can only see him if I move the chair, unfortunately. Oh. So, but, but yes, for those who can't see this, if you just Google Gritty Christmas lights, you can get some really good Zoom backgrounds. <laughs> Highly recommend. So... Then Joanne's T-shirt, you could just say, "Make it so." Yes, and it would happen. Make, make she would go to hyper. Make, make it, it snow. snow. Yeah. Christmas. Yes, and yeah. I, I do also have a, a festive Christmas Ooh, nice. for, uh, sweatshirt uh, for the wedding present. The band has put out this year a series of Christmas jumpers, uh, and I also got one of their uh, themed masks too, because it's 2020. You have to get a mask, so I, I also have a George Best mask as befits this year i guess so there you go festive spirit yeah so i have a sammy kettle i get this yeah yeah so i get i get a few of these every year around christmas it's kind of a bit of a tradition but it's um it's austrian isn't it and they they brew it once a year on december 6th and it's aged for 10 months before bottling Yes, yeah, so, so it's, it's Austrian now. It wasn't always. It was originally yeah. Swiss, but we'll yeah. talk about it. Yeah, mm. it's a it's a double box style, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's and it is thing. very yeah. strong. Yeah, it, yes, it is. It comes in at um fourteen percent, so we'll we'll drink it slowly. Yes, yeah, but, definitely um, a sipper. But it's lovely. It's it just it reminds me of Christmas pudding. Yeah, and it just tastes like Christmas. So why not? Definitely, it's definitely not the beer to have after you've been to a Christmas party, when you're trying to wait for the train home. Uh, just if, just saying, don't, From don't be that person. That I'm just saying. I feel like there's a story there somewhere that needs to be told. I wish I could remember more of the story, but <laughs> I, I will say that the part in the train station, I, I was not feeling great, but it tasted oh, good. Yes. So. Mm. But yeah, sipping, all good. Uh, mm. But don't, don't have it as your... I'm, I'm, not, go- I'm not great as sipping, just so one more beer of the night. <laughs> Sometime in the next century, when my foam dies down on my beer, I'll let you know how it tastes. <laughs> so it's oh, oh wow! Nice. Ooh. Wow, that nice. is quite a head. So that's that's. It's probably the, it must be the beer's fault, though. I, I presume. No, it's yeah, it's fault. not. It's it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do know how to pour a beer. <laughs> well, it's been in there. It's been waiting to come mm. out, and now it's like yeah, yeah. Here I too, am. Too oh, it's excited. thrilled! It's thrilled. Like mm. when well when I. It had a cork in the whole thing and that just popped right off so i think it's just ready to ready to get drunk. yeah it's saying christina of all the years you could have opened me you chose 2020 for crying out loud you know <laughs> that's a good point yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so who wants to um get us started with the whole history of beer christmas beer even well, I can start by by giving out to myself because I should have made glue beer. Um, <gasps> oh, I did that last year, actually. Yeah. yeah good. That, glue beer. So I found this recipe um, on Tempest in a Tankard, and um, 
Yeah, I'll link that with our podcast or whatever. Um, so when I've made it before, I made it with a Belgian quad, a whip- whiplash, actually, Belgian quad. Because um, the one, the Belgian quad that I used had figs in it, which I just thought sounded like it would go well with the rest of the glue beer ingredients, which were mandarin oranges, cherry juice, and then like basically your typical like Christmas warming spices, pumpkin spice, that that spice blend. And I just chucked it all in the uh, crock pot. And I really, really liked it. Like, really, really liked it. But I have to say, last year I did a Christmas market cruise, which was, like, the best trip ever. And um, I drank my my body weight, glue vine. (laughs) But um, I was in Regensburg, and they had glue beer there. And their glue beer was quite different than this glue beer and this recipe that I had. It was not quite as sweet. It was very malty, um, oh. like really bready. It was delicious. I loved it though. And um, yeah, it was really, really gorgeous. So quite, quite different. Um, but I like them both, right? So they were both really good in their own way. But I'm kicking myself because I should have made that. But you know, <laughs> I, I think I'd like to try. I might try making that. It's it's good. It's really good. Mm. I did it last year. We'll just have to do it for. Oh, I'll make it for our Chris, the beer lady's Christmas Ooh. party. Oh yes, yeah. We can all get the recipe and you know maybe each uh, kind of roll our own, as it were, mm. and yeah, do a, do a tasting. Yeah, oh, that would be fun, and we can see like what base beer you use, and you know how you come up. Oh, I like this oh, idea. That's Let's a good do it. idea. Yeah, yeah. There, we have we have an activity. So <laughs> yes, yeah. we're having a party. It's going to be awesome, <laughs> like all parties now, but it's going to be awesome. Yeah, and we're we're charging a fiber to to come. It's virtual, um, but we're donating all the money to Women's Aid. Yay! Um, and we're also donating all the money that we've gotten from um, the other. Uh, brewery, uh, virtual brewery tours that we've we've charged like two euro, and we're donating all that money as well to Women's Aid. Oh, that's great! Oh, that's a great cause, yeah. especially with the whole whole lockdown. People are stuck places that they don't yeah. want to be, and they can't yeah. get out. They're in know? lockdown. They're in lockdown yeah. with their abusers. So yeah. Women's Aid does amazing stuff to to get to get people out of those horrific situations. And so, um, especially with Christmas, Christmas is a, also a terrible season for for um, people who are abused so you know um if you're out there and you're listening donate to women's aid (laughs) and you can do it and come have fun at the same time but you know you can definitely make a difference while you're enjoying a drink or two so yeah and we're gonna have a fun pub quiz so the the grand prize is bragging rights and um, (laughs) a million imaginary internet points Imaginary end points are good. Well, I guess though, thinking about our, our topic at hand, should we start with some Vikings? I feel like you can yes. never go wrong. Oh, yeah. We can start with Vikings. I, I I can I can start with some of my translations. You want? And then I have I actually I have a uh, I have a, a specifically Irish question too that you may know about. But let's let's start with some Vikings and then I can throw a curveball in. Yeah. So we can start with Joel um um Yul Ale. So um Yul um in Old Norse or in Viking time, we're talking about mid-November to early January. Um, it was a critical holiday in the Viking belief system, um, and it was associated with complex rituals, including um, something called uh, Yuleblat, which is literally Yule sacrifice. Um, 
So for these festivities, special beers were brewed and drank and sacrificed to Odin. So, you know, when you're when you're drinking your beer this holiday season, if you want to pour some out for Odin, um, (laughs) it's always a always a good idea. So we 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 know a little bit about Viking um, beer and brewing from later sources. And I'll get into why they're problematic after we sort of see what's in them. Um, so I have the Heimskringa or the sagas of the Old Norse kings. So this was written by um, Snorri Sturluson around – 1230 CE. So this is in a Christian context, writing about the Vikings who were not Christian. Um, And so what I'm going to talk about with this particular text is uh, the King Hakon of Norway, who lived around 920, 961. Um, In this saga, Hakon uh, passed, uh, wrote a law. So the the law is Well done! Um, oh gosh, I'm sure that. Do we all have some... to do the opening of Beowulf now? Is that? <laughs> I'm sure there are some Icelandic people going, "Oh my gosh, she, <laughs> she absolutely butchered that." But for those of you who um, who don't speak um, Icelandic or Old Norse, I did it great. It was perfect. <laughs> Your cadence was beautiful. I liked it very much. Um, yeah. So so I've translated. So this is Old Norse, and I've translated that um, to basically quote, "And every man is obligated to have a." measure of ale or or else they have to pay fe, which is the old Norse for assets, livestocks, or money. Um, and melis is an important phrase, which means measure of ale. Um, and some historians like uh, Richard Cleesby um, and Gudbrand Figgesen, um, so this is about six and a half gallons. So basically what Hakon is saying is that every freeman of a certain status is required to have a certain amount of beer brewed for the Yule festivities. And I'm saying beer, but I'm really meaning ale here. Um, but mm, might be hopped. Um, that's, that's up for debate. Um, but lo- mostly, mostly ale. Um, and this Yule ale became associated with Christmas um, because as this same king commuted the pagan holiday to the, to the Christian one. Um, and, this ale is also echoed in other legal codes, um, such as the Gullathingslava, um, which demonstrates not only the importance of both brewing this ale um, and also hosting a really cool party. Yeah, <laughs> I love that the party is like enshrined yeah, yeah. in law. You have you to have, have, to have the party. Yeah. The party is the big deal. So this law required that free men, again, of a particular rank, had to come together in groups of three to brew ale for ale feasts like basically you had to make ale for the party and you had to have this party at the holy night and if three winters went by and you didn't make your ale and have your party you forfeited your goods to the last penny and if yeah. you still didn't do it, which I don't know, how are you going to do this after yeah. you have no goods left? But if you if you still don't do this after you have no goods left and nothing to brew with, then you're banished from Norway entirely. So, oh. you know, they're not they're not they're fucking not around here. Yeah. No, That's you have to like. brew your beer and have your freaking parties, man. Like that I is- think I want to move back to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah, yeah. to that time. I would I think I would have liked that aspect of it. Maybe. <laughs> that maybe not good. the other yeah. parts. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and and now while these laws we were seeing um, 
saying men and men gathering, um, most scholars like Jenny Hawkins and myself as well um, would probably argue that women were most likely doing the majority of the brewing during the Viking period. Um, this conclusion is based on the saga material and the fact that women just dominated brewing in Europe period full stop in this early medieval period because it was associated with the kitchen and it was a domestic task so i would kind of contend that but i just before we move on i just want to say that the saga materials are really really problematic to kind of use as as after i've cited lots of them (laughs) no they're, they're kind of problematic because these are written like they're written by Christian people about pagans and they're written well after everyone in them is, is, is very much dead. So it's kind of like if we wrote like you and I right now wrote about the Napoleonic wars, but only based on what your great, great grandfather told his son, told his son, told his son, told his son. And then you're kind of just writing this all down. And you know you have a you have a completely different religion to the one that they have, and you don't like their religion, and then you write all that down like it's fact. That would yeah. be kind of w- what they're doing. Um, but but unfortunately, as sources go, the Vikings didn't really write stuff down. We, I mean, they didn't. So the majority of the textual accounts of the Vikings are these later saga materials. So it's up to us to kind of like pull apart the contemporary bias from the historical accounts. And this is really time consuming, but very important. Um, And yeah, and we'll get into more saga, um, more saga examples later, because there's some fun stories about the Vikings and beer. Oh yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. So I want to rewind a little bit to an Irish saint who had a not fun attitude toward all of this sort of, uh, drinking to uh you know to all the pagan gods at this time of year now we're a little earlier so i i did the research on this years ago so if i pronounce anything wrong this is my bad but uh, so saint columbanus different from saint columba but saint columbanus is this sixth century irish missionary so he goes off to france well what's now france and germany and gets very exercised about people having their christmas beer to vote on and it goes around like smashing casks of it like uh-uh we don't do that here but how weird is that but it's interesting it's a similar tradition not 100 the same a little bit earlier so it is and again the same kind of idea that it's all seen through this other lens but it's a closer contemporary at least or more closely contemporary you know sort of uh, evidence that people are doing this and have this sort of sacred beer at this time of year again different group of people very very broadly kind of sort of tangentially related but you know, same God, different lens, still only has the one eye. So it's, uh, but it's an interesting thing. Like, you, you know, you don't think, um, it just seems so out of character, doesn't it? He, he leaves Ireland and goes off to be boring other places instead of like breaking the crack. So. Well, and it's, it's also interesting because, I mean, of course, in Ireland, we have ale feasts at that time. Mm-hmm. Any, anyway, so of course, but they're they're in a Christian context. Exactly. So the ones that he would, the ones that he would allow. But you know, Saint Bridget was brewing beer for the Easter ale feast. Like this was absolutely a thing exactly. in Ireland, and he he didn't have a problem with the ale. Probably yeah. he had a problem with um, to whom? Yeah, yeah. Well, although I would say some 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 monks did have a problem with 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 drinking. Um, it's actually quite funny. There was a there was a war, like a war of words, if you will, 
between two um two monks in this re- reformation thing in in the early medieval period and one of the monks was like no you can't drink ale this is bad blah 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 this is terrible and the other monk is like hmm, my brothers are going to get into heaven just like you <laughs> Um, you know, so that was that and he, they were drinking and that was the end of that. So it's just, it's funny, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so catty, isn't it? Oh, they were so catty. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and then, you know, parts of it sort of, you know, go into, into Britain and then even later into North America, if you're sort of seeing how this tradition comes down, you know, through the centuries, you, you end up with sort of was hail. And, but even, even what's, what's actually kind of interesting is a lot of the early American or early North American early North American white people recipes are Swedish settlers and they're still throwing in their juniper. They're throwing in things that are very common Scandinavian things that you think, you know, a lot of these must have been passed down just because they were the ingredients that were accessible. They were what you had that was good to throw in your, you know, in your boil in winter. So they kind of brought that along. And it's some of the the earliest, um, not the very earliest, but some of the earliest uh, sort of written recipes we have for North American brewing are from these Swedish uh, settlers who were like, hey, there's juniper here too. Let's do this. So it's it's interesting. Bits and pieces of the tradition still uh, filter through. It's it's very interesting um, how how long this sort of the sort of idea of Christmas beer kind of has existed and how it's been reincarnated in so many different forms and how you know we have Christmas beer now, which is absolutely a part of our celebration. Totally, totally. Yeah, and I think there's there, you know there's other sort of. You know, I, I think it's a question of when does when does your sort of holiday beer, your sort of winter beer, when does it become sort of spiced? Because this is like, and when does it when does sort of spiced become how we would describe it? Apart from well, we just threw whatever we always did in. Like it's you know, when did that become seasonal? If you like, as yeah. a differentiator, it's it's something I think we we have some ideas about, but we don't really have a great cutoff point. If you like, yeah. No, I think that's a really interesting question. When mm-hmm. did when was the spice a conscious tie exactly. to the Christmas season as opposed to just what we put in the beer for reasons? Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. it works so well, doesn't it, with the season? And it's, um, but, we're, but it also kind of just reminds us of the season. Like, we, yeah. which, you know, which came yeah. first? Was it just that we associated with it? or Yeah, and I think... Really- I think it really depends on the spice because like the pumpkin spice is the traditional like sweet spice, which has been used for centuries and centuries and centuries and all kinds of pies and cakes and things like that. So that sweet spice is something that we've had in our palates as Europeans for a long, long, long time. And it's been used in many different things, um, particularly like sweet things. I mean, it's really funny in the medieval period we're talking about, I mean, they would use spices to show their wealth and they would make things so like so spiced you could barely eat them. Like that, the thing was to just demonstrate how wealthy like, I am were. so fancy. Look at all the stuff I'm just tossing in. Yeah. I, I, gross, but... Yeah, it's conspicuous destruction. It's basically like, <laughs> look at all this stuff i can throw around mace for days yeah <laughs> there was there was an element of preservation with it as well though, wasn't there with the... yes depending yeah, depending on the spices and... yeah, but yeah. i mean you're talking about like things where they'd have like um sweetened spices sort of at the end of, of meals mm. and and really um oh there's a really good book i think it's called out of the east that's about the spice trade and the use of spices in the medieval period 
And it's one of the most interesting books I've ever read. Um, even if you're not a historian, like it's it's not really written for just historians. It's it's a very like accessible book. And I really highly recommend it if you are interested in more about um, spices. Um, I think my favorite spice is ambergris, which is, you know, like whale vomit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have a I have a brother-in-law who walks the beaches on uh, uh, hoping that he's going to come across a lump of ambergris. <laughs> in West Clare. Really? Hey aunt. <laughs> Enjoy walking the beaches. How Is fun. That a, that's really a thing. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I have kind of yeah. It was a very valuable spice actually really? in the it, It's period. used as a as a base in, in perfumes, isn't it? Perfume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's quite expensive. Yeah, absolutely. And and then there's an interesting question, too, because I, I, I remember when the Oxford Companion to Beer came out, there was, well, there were two or three schisms on, on beer internet when, when it first came out about certain topics and were they well-researched enough. And anyway, it, like you would get in any academic publication because reasons. <laughs> That's fine. It's good to have, it's good to have, you know, what, what do we call it? A rich debate or something like that. But there was a whole thing about sort of Christmas beers and, oh, well, they couldn't have been Christmas beers if they had hops. Cause if you warmed a beer and that had hops, it would be gross and disgusting. It's like, well, but also you're looking at that through a very modern lens. And, you know, again, like thinking of earlier examples, we know that like um, Hildegard von Bingen was like hops. Yeah, let's do it. So to say that no one ever, heated up you know of a cold winter night whatever beer they happen to have whether that was hopped or not seems a little bit of an assumption but I do think it's something that we could dig into a little more just sort of you know again from a sort of historian's perspective is you know which of these spices you know actually went into the boil like went went into making the beer and which ones were things you put in after like as some sort of mulling spice like was there a difference there Um, obviously there would be regional variations but I, I don't know if we've really gotten to a good a sort of well-reasoned argument either way on that one but I feel like I bet they're two very different things yeah I mean yeah I'd be fascinated I would really really depend on the time period like I I really would not imagine that we'd find sort of sources for that for for the older stuff yeah but but I'd be really interested to see sort of like early modern if we could find early modern that would be amazing um when I'm saying early modern for those of you who aren't historians I mean post 1500 to about 1800 um the early modern period (laughs) and if we did find a documented like uh description I'm wondering we could we could as the beer ladies try and brew it ourselves Oh, absolutely. How cool would yeah. that be? Oh, very cool. And and because I'm putting together actually a, a medieval Irish beer at the moment based <gasps> on um, records that I've I've found um, for brews um, in, in various places, actually. Um, and I actually just found this really interesting malt bill um, or grain bill, I should say, for for a brew from a particular priory. Um so it's it's so much fun kind of putting it all together. So we could, I mean, from the medieval period or the Viking period, you could absolutely put something together. You'd be guessing for a lot of it. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, <clears throat> as an academic, I would say we, we'd be making meaningful conclusions based on the data. <laughs> An educated guess, basically. Mm. Yeah. We're speculating. But it's fun, you know? I mean, that's that's why I like being a medievalist because a lot of it really is just guessing. 
but it's the right kind of guessing. It's, it's, yes, it's fun guessing. Absolutely. It's informed guessing. Yeah, you have to be able to argue your guess. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing—the thing, the thing about historians it. is, if there—if there's a historian saying anything about anything at any point ever, there's another historian saying the exact opposite of that point for reasons. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. And and it's funny too because it's actually relatively early on in sort of very very commercial beer production that you get branded Christmas or winter beers. Like people were doing that as soon as they realized, wait. I can make my beer in a factory and, you know, have it, you know, come out consistently the other end. Like that was a very, you know, relatively speaking, sort of early, like, oh, we should do that to increase sales at this time of year. So it's, it's nothing new. It's, it's really, it, it, and, and I think it's interesting too, that, you know, throughout sort of like over the decades, you know, sort of from the 19th century onward, as certain beer styles began to fall out of favor, people would be like, okay, the less popular stuff we're going to save for Christmas. And then that's <laughs> going to be our winter our fancy winter beer. So it, it's actually very clever when you think about, mm. you know, someone sitting there looking at their figures being, uh, no one likes Burton Ale anymore. What do we do? I know. We're going to save that all up for winter. Because again, it's not super hopped. Just so you could, you know, be like, yeah. oh, it's meant to taste like whatever it tastes like after, <laughs> you know, however long. And if it's strong enough, it might be good. So, Maybe, yeah. you know, being able to rebrand what's not selling, I think mm. has been, uh, has always been in the industry even if it's I, I feel like we see less of the things being christmas now and more like this is our sour we meant to do this <laughs> absolutely it's it's a wild fermentation you know all of that. yeah it's like the first sour yeah <laughs> what happened and then someone walks in and goes i can drink this and I'm like, you can okay yeah. let's try it yeah, you it was completely intentional. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, the, the brewery did not get infected. What are you talking about? <laughs> this was, we planned it. We're a sour brewery now forever. Yeah. We planned this whole thing. Yeah, we can't get rid of this wild yeast. This is us now. Yeah. <laughs> we had, when I first started going out with my husband, he was, we, we do brew it now, but he was big into brewing and he had this batch of, I can't even remember what it was. It was in a demijohn that nobody would drink it. <laughs> and then um, nobody liked it and I tasted it and I, I actually quite liked it but he, he's fairly certain something went wrong but you know it was I didn't, in fairness I didn't end up finishing the whole thing but but nobody else was drinking and I'm, I'm sure it wasn't just you know that I was trying to keep him, keep him sweet <laughs> or anything but it was funny though yeah well if we're talking about beer that's uh brewed with with some some interesting ingredients um we we can I can circle back actually to to a story I'd like to tell you about yeah. uh, about the Vikings. Um, so we have a story of Alaric and his wives, and I yes, I mean wives too at the same time. Wives. Oh, shocking! So Alaric was married to to one woman, and then he, you know, he's just walking around, and he sees this other woman um, named Gerhild, and he's like, "Wow, she's so beautiful!" And she was brewing this ale, and he's like, "Yep, I'm going to marry her too." gonna have two wives this is gonna work out real well so obviously his first wife is like uh no <laughs> this is i'm not i'm not happy with this so they they're like fighting back and forth and so the king is like listen i can't i can't stay married to you because because on account of their squabbles this is what... <laughs> so he's like so he decides that he's gonna he's gonna keep the one who makes him the best ale when he comes home from summer raiding oh 
it's all right for some. Seems seems like a great way. How open minded of him to choose <laughs> to choose your wife. So so you know the women are both brewing Signy and Gerhild, and um, so Gerhild she entreats with with Odin, and Odin decides to bless her by spitting on her yeast. Um, so obviously she won, right? So she she won she won the contest, and she she gets to remain, you know, his wife to the guy because he's a catch who makes Meryl. Yeah, I mean, he makes marital decisions based on brewing prowess. I mean, (laughs) really, the kind of guy you want to see married to. So, um, yay for Garyhild. When really, like, these two women could have gone off and brewed amazing beer and just lived their best lives. Really, that's what they should have done. I mean, because it's easy. I mean, the Vikings, you could divorce. I don't know why they just didn't. They both just didn't. I mean, honestly, like, we know this didn't happen, right? Like, this is not actually a real thing that happened. (laughs) You you mean Odin didn't spit on it? Oh, no. Well, well, see, that's not the bit that I think. I think that bit is more realistic than two women being like, I want to stay married to a a gentleman um, who's brought home his second wife when I can divorce him. No, 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 no. But I think it just basically demonstrates, of course, that women were brewing. But I just think it's a really fun story. Um, A fun story to, to, to kind of tell. Um, they, they, they do like their stories. Um, they're really good at like, oh, the, the Viking sagas. I just highly recommend them. If, if you, if you want a good story, they're good stories. Yeah. They are a lot of fun. And there's some great translations out there now. Like there used to not be, but there are now. So. And you can get them for free online, like pretty easily. Um, yeah. The translations and everything. Um, I think, and, and, and we know that women were really associated with not even just brewing beer, but serving it. So there was a lot of ritual importance around serving ale in, in the Viking period. This was a huge deal um, to the point where um, bowls and, and sort of ladles, these are associated with like hegemonic femininities and we find these in graves. So th- this is like a really important part of sort of status and social status and hosting events. So when you'd host an event in a house, the, the, the wife or the highest status woman there would serve the guest beer from, from a ladle. Um, and so we can find this, this sort of act of serving ale quite common throughout the, the Viking sort of text. And I think my favorite example is um, the, the story of Attila the Hun and his wife Gun- Gundrun. Um, so Attila marries th- this woman named Guthrun and he, he kills her, her brothers. So her brothers came over to, so, so basically here's the story. Attila marries <laughs> Guthrun and then he, he kind of lures her brothers over and the brothers are like, listen, I know this is a trap, but for some reason they feel the need to go anyway. Who knows? So they're there, and then Attila is trying to get information about some sort of treasure out of out of her brothers. And, you know, it doesn't work. Um, one of the brothers has his heart cut out, and while he's doing it, he's singing about it. And the other brother is like, okay, I know my other brother's dead, so now you can feel free to just off me because I'm going, I'm going to my grave with this. I'm not telling you. So, you know, Guthrun is like really pissed about this because it's her brothers, right? So, so, you know, she, she does what any normal person would do. She slaughters her sons that she had with Attila and oh, feeds them to him. 
We've all been there. Wow. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's this whole thing where Attila comes ha- home and Guthrie comes out with the little golden beaker of ale. And then she, she, you know, she's coming in and she says, thou mayest eat now chieftain within thy dwelling, young beasts, fresh slaughtered. Come eat, come eat. And then he's eating and he's eating and he's eating. And she's like, Hey, you're eating your kids. Like funny story. By the way, and so then the whole hall like goes to weeping and crying and, you know, carrying on. And so she frees all the slaves um, and then she gives away all of his wealth. And then Atlee, you know, gets really drunk and passes out. And so then she slaughters him and then she burns the entire hall to ash with those remaining inside. You know, I really just picture this as one of those action movies where there's like the explosion behind her and she's just walking away. (laughs) I'm really thinking I'm getting a real like uh, premenstrual vibe from her. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, not today. Not today, today, Satan. Um, uh, like not obviously I don't advocate you know killing and eating your children but it is a very good story <laughs> and you know it, it happens so often in you know myth and you know it is it's quite a common stuff. trope yeah yeah you got Medea Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Off doing some pretty similar stuff. I mean, it's you know, it's what people do in the olden times. We don't do yeah, that now. That, that would be unseemly. Seemly. And illegal, I think. Might Among be, other yeah. things, there would be yeah consequences. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do it because it's unseemly. <laughs> well, I mean, think of the neighbors. You know, I mean. <laughs> 
You'll never bring another casserole over again. Those twitch and net curtains, you know, they notice everything these days. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Uh, That's a great story, but yeah. Mm. That is a good story. Yep. So that that was the end of Attila the Hun. (laughs) I'm wondering how she turned the kids. Did she just use like their blood in the ale or did she? Oh, no. She fed it to them. So like she she made like she cooked them. Oh, okay. So this is like like, all like the cook, the thief, his wife and her lover kind of a. Yeah. So so she 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 came out with with the beaker of ale and then she was like, come eat, come eat all this Ah. lovely meat that we have. And the lovely meat was, you know, his kids. I thought for a second that, that they were in the the ale somehow, but okay, that makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> Out of, like, completely well, I mean, reasonable I mean, story. Well, I mean, I mean, we talked about Hathor, who had like the blood beer, so like, yeah, I really put it past anyone to kind of make that kind of a. I'm sure someone in history has made blood beer out of the, the <laughs> blood of their enemies. That's true enough. I mean, you have people drinking out of skulls. I mean, that happens all over the place. Oh, I so. know. Yeah. 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 Common, common thing to, to make a, yeah. a drinking glass out of the skull of your enemy. Less ferment- fermentable sugar, though. That would be a tricky, mm-hmm. you know, a tricky thing to do. <laughs> I like the way you're, you're taking the, the, you know, the holistic approach to the, <laughs> the effect the blood would have on, on the beer. <laughs> it's just not going to turn out well. I think. I think. I think, Lisa. I think, like we were talking. Uh, you were talking about earlier. I think it's an. It's an after the boil sort uh, of. Yes. Maybe yeah. you sort of toss a bit in. You know, yes. almost. Uh, you know, almost like people who put in a little Tabasco if they're having a. You know, a, a bad hangover. You know. Or or oh, when okay, you put okay. in when you put in like um black black currant into Guinness. Like I think oh, you yeah. can kind of probably just do it like that. Just dump a little in after the beer. <laughs> So it's just a bit, already of made. a bit of seasoning. A bit of seasoning. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Do not try at home. <laughs> Important pro tip. And once again, we've devolved into chaos. No. Oh, well. Uh, not at all. Not at all. No, no. We've got a lot of, uh, we've got a lot of other interesting things we can, we can talk about. But should, should we take a break and get a... I was just going to say, yeah. Well, yep. Will we have a time for a beer break? And we'll yes, be right we'll back. have a... Perfect. Yeah. Ear break. Hey, this is Bean, and you're listening to the Queer Ladies Podcast. We're back from our beer break. So let's see again what everybody is drinking. Christina? I, I'm drinking the same thing oh. because if you're listening and not watching, this is a massive freaking bottle and this is 8.5 percent so i'm a uh, uh I, it's yeah it's a 750 mil and i've i've got to work tomorrow so you know <laughs> this is all i'm drinking fair hey, see, how about you i am um, i've moved on to the this is a ah i just can you see that yeah if you're watching it's on stop youtube brew. it's stop brew collaboration with craft central Ooh. and it's called a barrel age central perk and it's a barrel aged, barrel aged, pale aged in PX sherry. I don't know what PX means. For eighteen months, blended with a pale aged in bourbon for six months. It's Ooh. Pedro Jimenez. Is oh, the is that what, yes. oh, it's the type of sherry. Uh, yeah. it, yes, it's the type of cask it's in. So I, I only know this for reasons. I don't know much about. It. <laughs> <laughs> I know the name. I know, I know, like Harvey's Bristol Cream is about as close to a sherry as I've ever come, you know? I, 
only know it from uh, going to enough virtual whiskey tastings with the lovely people at El Mulligan from the whiskey shop. Oh, I must oh. Do. They're really good. They're doing a year-end one. I'm sure it's sold out already. Yeah. But, oh, they they do such a good job of explaining things for people who are, like, relative newbies like me. I'm like, I know a thing now. Yeah. Like, one Yay! thing. <laughs> that will come in handy in a pub quiz someday. You know yes. that, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And they do tend to, I mean, as, as we beer nerdy people do will sort of fall into a shorthand they'll they will eventually be like oh the like you said the sort of px and i'm like i know what it is i know what it is yes and i finally <laughs> got back there so achievement unlocked but <laughs> uh what about you joanne i have a bambrick's bread ale oh the, always so good this is my this is from my beer advent calendar from beer club no <laughs> no no the beer club sorry beer club Apologies. yeah yes yeah, so I haven't, I haven't actually tried this one yet. It's one of the meanest I, I love it. You know, it's one of my go-tos now. They, I feel like they just do such a good job across mm, the board. They do. And they're so nice. Mm. And, oh, uh, yeah. I love Belly Kill Cabin. I don't think I've ever had a beer from them that I didn't like, oh, to be honest with you. Oh. This is very Moorish. It's just oh, so... Oh, that is really good. Yeah. yeah. I have one of them in the fridge right now, and I'm really tempted to... I, I've got this. their there's their current special, their Walnut Whip. Uh, oh, did you one, get one? Saving that for the weekend. I well <laughs> I had to I had to send out for it. So I I, mm. I I sent out reinforcements to go pick it up. I almost did a click and collect and like frog marched one of my children over there, but I was like, you know what's cold, maybe not this weekend. <laughs> well what else are children for, you know? I mean you need to get Unless them you're gonna cook them. Right? Cook them and feed them to your they're, they're for eating, Katie. They're for <laughs> eating. <laughs> I don't, mine are so thin. I feel like it's not, you know, it's not worth the effort. That's what Christmas is for, Lisa. <laughs> to, to be fair, they have been eating a lot more donuts lately, but they're still—they're just skinny. They have metabolisms like, you know, I don't have that, but there you go. Have they discovered the Irish Advent calendar, the chocolate? Well, we don't have a chocolate one. We have a Lego one. So okay. I saw that. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was cool. Yeah, cool. I yeah, love it. The tea one. Oh, the tea one sounds. Is that? Did you say tea pigs? Is that what it's, I saw? It's tea pigs, although. What I have heard is that come the 31st of December, it may be a lot harder to get all of their stuff here because they're coming from the UK yeah. and their distribution may just be a complete disaster after that. So who knows? Well, That's what I'm worried about. Them. I'm like, how, how am I going to buy anything anymore? I buy I, most of my stuff from the UK. Like, what am I've I going to do? I've been panic shopping for like stuff that I don't want to run out of from Amazon. But Well, then you're just going to have to buy Irish and find an even better <laughs> product here. Okay? I bet it is. Exactly. You know, exactly. we can do it with oh. beer. We can do it with tea. <laughs> That is true. That oh, is no, true. there's some actually really amazing Irish teas. That, yeah, yeah, there are. There are. There are. And in fact, yeah, I just got a bunch of tea from uh, Loose Leaf in Cork. I'm very pleased with that. So that's nice. And I will say, I ordered it on like Sunday and it turned up like Monday afternoon. Oh, so yeah. can't complain about the service. All, mm -hmm. all good. So drinking wise, though, I have the third circle needs more cowbell because I know <laughs> everyone is doing ridiculous stouts this winter. This is actually a Tonka bean milk stout. Uh, I also have their maple bacon porter. I did not. They have a third one, I think, that is spicy. Yeah, that is something spicy. I didn't see that one, though, but I do have the Wicklow Wolf one that I'm saving for for this weekend. But speaking of the Craft Central advent calendar, I had uh, a little bird tell me that a lot more thought had gone into it than I realized that they have they've um, they've done all of these sort of beer allocations that all the really strong ones are ones you're going to open up at the weekend. Uh, and everything that's a little more oh. 
during the week. So if you are trying to keep up and have one every day, which I, I'm not. I can't Because no. I'm tired. <laughs> um, but I was like, that's so That's nice. really thoughtful. Yes, that they were like, you know, let's put the 10% one on a Friday or Saturday night. And then everything else is going to be, you know, much more accessible. Yeah. I was like. That's a really good idea, yeah. Yeah, that's actually great. A brilliant, brilliant idea. Yeah, so, and I I didn't even know that until someone told me. So, Craft Central, show your work. Tell people that you've done this clever thing. This is, this is. Yeah, that is something that they should brag about. Brag about that. Yes, please do, yes. (laughs) Oh, and then they should have had two advent calendars. So, they should have had, should have one for the shift workers, like nurses and guards that would go to poppers on a Monday night. That's a good idea. You know? yes. <laughs> not, not that that's happening at the moment. I know. <laughs> what a, how are the guards and the nurses getting together? I want to know. Do you know, that's it. My sister <laughs> is a guard and she's married to a guard and she met her. Well, I think they met at work, but they got together in coppers anyway. Yeah. Right, she's, I hope she's mind me telling that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But what we won't our, tell anyone. One of, our very own, <laughs> one of our very own got together in coppers, right? Sarah and, and Seamus. Oh, did they? I think they did. I think uh, they did. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. Actually, my other sister met her husband in Congress. My younger <laughs> sister. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went to see the musical um, last year in in the Olympia. Cup, uh, Cup Face Jacks, the musical. Yeah, yeah. Really entertaining, called, yeah. actually. What? Oh, my God. Wait, there's a musical? Yeah. Did you, oh, did you miss that? Yeah, yeah, there was. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Wow. I have it was to, really... Funky the Dolphin had had a had a role in it as well. Funky the Dolphin starred, oh, and now he's gone missing because of COVID. And Coppers oh. is gone because of COVID, and oh, the whole world is turned on its head. Well, uh, fuck twenty twenty. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're almost through. We're almost through. We just gotta keep powering on. Yeah, I mean, I can live without Coppers. Yeah, so, really. That's not. Yeah, that's yeah. A, it's not breaking my heart to be honest with no. you. That I can't go to coppers. No, like I'm in my forties, but I feel sorry for like my son there, who's nineteen, who's like he's never, he, he can't be a gold ticket holder, you know. Or... Yeah. yeah. No, well, you know, everyone should experience. Everyone should experience the w- magic that is coppers at least mm-hmm. once. Mm-hmm. At least once in their lives. And yeah, yeah, it is It is kind of, it's a bit shit for the young kids oh. that they can't get out and kind of do all that stupid fucking shit that we all did when we were young, you know? God, I've, I've only been there once, and this was years ago when I was first here on a work do, which I guess is how this all yeah. happens. And I think we ended up there after going through like everywhere in Temple Bar, like awful, awful touristy stuff. And I just remember having a very intense... We went to conference. God, with this... With this also very intense Scottish guy who was like, I want to marry Nicola Sturgeon. And I was like, that's great. <laughs> and, you know, that's the kind of conversation you have, right? At like three in the morning with someone you've just met who was like, who's like, we're just going to keep talking very loudly at each other because it's loud. <laughs> and that was, yeah. And, and then I was not very well the next morning and had to change my tickets to go see the Book of Kells. So lesson learned. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> And I was like a grown ass adult doing that, so don't, yeah. But you I know, I wasn't ever, paying I, for it. Work was paying for that. So I was only ever in my late twenties, late twenties when I first went to Coppers, because I didn't I went to uni in England, so I never right. uh, never did it here, so yeah. Yeah, so I, I I escaped from the country and went to college in Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> and oh did it open my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, uh, I was in my mid twenties when I went to coppers because I moved here in my mid twenties and I, it was one of the first places that I went to, but, um, in my early, you know, in my early, in my early, you know, post high school sort of college days, I went to the, the very many and frequent, um, West Virginia equivalents of <laughs> coppers. <laughs> Although, although it's actually a perfect segue to tell a different Christmas beer story. Oh, tell us more, Lisa. Gather round, children. So, <laughs> cast your mind back to 1926. Christmas beers are dark, they're heavy, they're malty, they're spicy. But you, you clever Belgian marketing person, are like, what if? What if we made a lager for Christmas that was so shiny and sparkly it looked like a beautiful star? Ah! And lo, that is how Stella Artois <laughs> So, Stella wow. was originally made to be a fancy-ass Christmas beer. And, you know, they put the, you know, the, the, the sort of, again, fakety-fake branding on it. I, I don't think they put the 1366 on it back then because... Come on, guys. But I think they did try to tie it back to the, the brewer who had been brewing on the site, not at the same, you know, sort of not the same uh, legal entity, if you like. But uh, it is actually named after the brewer who was brewing on the same site in the 18th century. But then they were like, well, there's been a brewery here forever. We'll just we'll just keep going back and going back. But yeah, originally... Stella was brewed for Christmas and to be this fancy thing that you would have once a year, this beautiful pale lager that was so shimmery and shiny and it was going to be expensive and it was going to be something you'd have just as, you know, for those fancy occasions. And, and then it ended up being the beer on men behaving badly. So I, I feel like it's, <laughs> it's I wonder how long it lasted uh, as being kind of um, you know, shiny and shimmery. Something- that's a really interesting question because I have tried to find that actually like at what point were they like uh, lads we've you know given up on this fancy thing like just yeah you know but I, I think if for at least a good sort of 10 years or so they were like once a year fancy and then they were like wait we can just keep churning this out and it could be really cheap and you know fantastic but I, I think it's Stella is such an interesting beer for you know the other reason too which is that you know everyone in Europe has always thought of it as like cheap lager but in america they they you know positioned it as this fancy beer that europeans drink and like <laughs> you're like wait what <laughs> and then you walk into a bar in the uk and and you... right <laughs> that, that was what that was the lager i started drinking i exactly. drank cider before i went to the uk and i didn't yeah. like their cider so i started drinking stuff yeah. oh and i first you know properly came across stella in the 90s and so my first association with it is 100 like martin clunes on the telly yeah you know mm-hmm. and that was they would have like the case of you know the, the cardboard box of stella on someone's head and you know so i i never had that like positive association with it but i, I still think it's fascinating that not only did they brew it as kind of an interesting one-off christmas beer that like they had this like fakety fake branding about it even you know in the 1920s that was just part of this prepackaged story and that they understood how important storytelling was in kind of you know positioning the beer and then at some point they're like eh so what we'll just sell stuff we'll just make money yeah Yeah. but i think it's so interesting that you know it's like you wouldn't think of it as a christmas beer now because it doesn't look like a christmas beer it doesn't taste like a christmas beer it's just 
It's just cheap lager. So it's, but then, and, and Joanne, you, you're on the good, fancy, expensive lager for Christmas. So, you know, you go to your Santa Claus, mm -hmm. very different. Yeah, yeah. How much have you gotten through? Oh, it, oh I, I finished it. I'm on my bumpers now, so. <laughs> That's right. I, I do have kind of a, a funny, um, a funny Santa Claus story too, apart from the one with the trains, because that was don't do that, kids. Again, that's <laughs> don't do that. But um, it was originally made by the Harleman Brewery in Switzerland, and it's only again relatively recent, since 1980. That's when it was originally brewed. But actually, let's see, what's today? Is we're recording this. This is the eighth, so we're just after Saint Nicholas's Day. But they, I think, even now, when it's brewed in Austria, they brew it on Saint Nicholas's Day, and then it's lagered for mm. a full year. But Originally, it was the Herleman Brewery in uh, in Zurich, and last year I went again when travel was a thing and stayed at the hotel that is in the former Herleman Brewery, and it's a spa hotel and it's amazing. And if uh, I don't know why else you would go to Zurich, but if you happen to be there, highly recommend going to the hotel because they actually did a really good job, sort of documenting the history of the brewery. If you go to the gym, there's all these photos of like what the brewery looked like at its prime. There's a lot of sort of, uh, not quite merchandise, but little nods in the room to like Sammy Klaus and to some of the other beers that they brewed. And you're like, oh, that's really nice. But most importantly, they have this enormous spa that's made to look like it's in old beer vats. It, it obviously is not, but it looks like it. And I'm like, guys, you know, I'm here for the design. Yeah, yeah, that's... You know, <laughs> I'd be there. I'm gone for it. And you can- no, they're all yeah, so you're just like hanging out in the hot water, you know, and again, it looks like you're in a giant barrel. It's all good, but it, they've done a really pretty good job mixing it together now. And I, I looked up their website again to, to sort of see, oh, did they say anything else about the Santa Claus or about some of the other beers? But uh, at the moment, they're just uh, advertising themselves as being 99% germ free. And I'm like, <laughs> how are we quantifying that? Moving with the times, okay? <laughs> twenty twenty is the year to be practically germ free, okay? Well, and and fair play, but I'm also like, how are we doing? Where are we get the ninety nine, right? And what's, <laughs> how are we measuring this? I have many questions. It's not the same way the condom companies measure that right. they're what ninety nine percent effective, right? Exactly. Proper use, use all, all correctly. <laughs> well yeah exactly oh well yeah there is that one used correctly that's the thing right <laughs> that thing they sort of brush over in school yeah, yeah. like eh, they'll figure it out yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no we have we practice we have in these um polystyrene really wow. you were a city oh. school i was a country school we got nothing <laughs> No, we were just told what would happen if, if we made a boy feel sad. Like, literally, that was, what? you know. Catholic school. Well, because school. I went to an all-girl Catholic yeah. school, and we were told, um. well, we were first of all told that nothing unfortunate, unfortunate was the big, you know, euphemism for everything, would happen to a good girl, obviously. I mean, but also that uh, what to do if a boy gets fresh. And again, this is in the 80s, early 90s. Like, come on. So what you want to do if a boy gets fresh is you put your hand out, and for, for those who are just listening, I am putting my hand out, you put your hand out, but you also nod your head at the same time because you don't want to hurt his feelings and say, no. 
and I can remember even being like 15 and being like well wait oh wait wait what oh. <laughs> and, and I you know ra- remember raising my hand to one of the nuns and being like well isn't this sort of sending mixed messages like what you know and like well no good girl would find herself in this position anyway this is just you know I'm like oh okay my bad but uh so they had a point of view you don't question the nuns so so that's rape culture 101 oh my god well i I think really the highlight of my all-girl catholic education was we we had a textbook um called love and marriage because that is your ultimate goal obviously as exactly as a human female (laughs) yeah Uh, because you have no higher aspiration absolutely but it it had a whole section on uh how you know all contraception is bad especially chemical things, because that will give you a chemical baby. I don't know what a chemical baby is, but that was on the test. Um, but also that evil homosexuals are polluting this country's blood supply, because it was all very American, gung-ho as well. And it was it was not subtle in any of its... <laughs> Whoa. Wow, that is some brazen homophobia there. Oh, I mean, it was... And that was... Oh, well, no, I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a surprise, but it was uh, it was very, very out there, and uh, they, it didn't hold back. And we were all tested on it, and you had to say the right things on your exams, or you could fail religion, and then... Uh, wow. Yeah, wow. that would affect your GPA. You might not get into the right college if you uh, were like... Really? If you were a bad Catholic. Exactly. If you had a mind of your own. <laughs> that, that's great, because I remember yeah. our... In primary school, we had a kind of sex ed. It wasn't really right. sex ed. It was just about periods and stuff. Right. But um, there was no there was no mention of the church. There was nothing like any oh, of that. Amazing. Kind of, yeah, which, which I find crazy. But oh, my God. I cannot <laughs> imagine. Well, we did go to a Catholic school, but yeah, it wasn't. I don't... We never had sex ed. It was junior science. Science. Biology. Good old biology. I, 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 I had biology. Like, I had biology, yeah. but I don't... I know that we had sex ed, but I cannot for the life of you remember anything that I learned in it. And also in primary school, no way. Like, our primary school teacher was ancient. It, it, like, wasn't, it wasn't our teacher. It was a oh. nurse who came in. Oh, a professional. She, oh, that's she good. She separated the boys and girls. And, right. um it was more about hygiene and kind of talking about periods and she didn't really go into depth about sex but it was right kind of set in the background background. it's so different from what they're learning now where they're learning like about pleasure and orgasms Mm -hmm. and like being safe and consent and like all these things that like god i wish i knew like i wish i let i mean sorry i wish i knew i know but i wish i knew like back then like you know like actually important information like how to access abortions if you want one, how to access birth control if your parents will not let you, um, like these kind of things. These are important things for kids yeah. to know. Like it just, it's it's good to see that there's a change. Yeah. Shift yeah. In that. And even like my niece is four and she knows the real words for things, you know. Yeah. Which well, is good. Yeah. yeah so, well, they yeah. say that that's really important yeah. for, for like setting boundaries yeah. and that kind of thing. Absolutely. And and for yeah. like molestation and stuff, yeah. because like if you teach yeah. them euphemisms, then it's like, oh, you know, so and so touched me on my cookie. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Good yeah. luck with your cookie. Right. Like, what? Eh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's no, it's great. And it's great that it's not heteronormative anymore, that they're mm-hmm. really trying to get away from mm-hmm. that. I, we're, we're getting there, folks. I mean, <clears throat> still a long way to go, but yeah. Progress, though. Progress. Absolutely. It, it's it's going to be slow as well. When um, 
I think when when a country, especially in Ireland, where the Catholic Church has such a hold over the country, no, not as not as much as they used to. And I think no. if we look at how far we've come in the last yeah. few years, that's it's it's that's huge. Yeah. No, I I was saying this to Paul, like, to me, like, there's a lot of people in my life who are Irish who would identify as Catholic, but they're, like, culturally Catholic, but not actually Catholic. Very common, I think. Yeah, Yeah. well, I grew up Catholic, but I would, I would identify as no religion, to be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah, my, my mom um, tried to raise me as Catholic, but it just didn't take, (laughs) um, at all so i'm 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 you know i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm a pagan heathen so you know yeah. well yeah I, I'm, I'm right there with like... you <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to hell anyway according to my dad so oh yeah i was trying to he, tell he means it in, in an endearing way it's okay. It's okay. that's where all the fun people go joanne yeah. i'll be there we'll but hang out mom, exactly my mom is very catholic but she like she just kind of has her own version of catholicism mm. like she just right. She just kind of does her own thing where she, you know, she's, she, uh, thinks that there's no such thing as hell. Um, she just doesn't think that's a thing. She thinks everyone goes to the great afterlife. She just doesn't, she doesn't think she, you know, she's doesn't believe in, uh, she's, you know, she's pro-choice. Um, she's very much like equal rights for everybody and, and marriage equality and, and all that other stuff. And she's just, she's just her own Catholic. And that just was what works for her. Yeah, what's well, all affected by what's around it, right? Like, because like where I grew up, it was so conservative, and so the Catholics there are all impacted or affected, however you want to look at it, by the like super evangelical people. So they are their own version of super evangelical. And like, I can even remember in in probably when I was in like elementary school more than in high school, but then being like, but we don't really believe in evolution. I was like, I thought the church was pretty cool with this, but like you know, people locally being like, not really like wait what and all these mixed messages very and i suppose now creationism has has come to the fore and and i like i can't imagine sending my child to a school that that taught creationism rather than and there's so many and it's nuts and we see the results now where you have all these people like there ain't no virus and you're like well actually there you go there there is there is um a, there is a there's an epidemic of terminal stupidity in America, and it is it, it's it's willful ignorance, and it's just oh god, the COVID has just really really shown how many people are just I just I, I have no words for them. Just yeah, the, the anti science thing is so it, like it's always been there. Some of it's religious, some of it's not, but like it's become so prevalent, and it's become so sort of well, I have my own beliefs. It's like well, okay, you can have your own beliefs about like you know whether or not there's bigfoot you don't get to have your own beliefs about like you know how cells divide or you know just yeah basic stuff yeah exactly like that you this is not this is not up for debate this is not an argument you don't you don't get to be you know this is a fact like this is not i just don't understand people who think that this is something they get to have an opinion about like oh you watched a youtube video good for you (laughs) has been doing research as a medical scientist for like you know 20 years i'm pretty sure you watching that one youtube video michaela is not as good as that but i bet it was a really well-produced video actually no i bet it wasn't it was probably shot by a bunch of teenagers (laughs) oh my god it's probably shot by someone who in their spare time does multi-level marketing (laughs) 
been reading a lot about multi-level marketing recently. Oh, it's awful. Just, oh, my but it's fascinating as a, as a sort of weird cultural thing. Like, people get yeah. so sucked that, into but it. It's, it's in so many different ways as well. And different yeah. companies, they give different slants. Like, I know a few people who are doing multi-level marketing with various different companies who... Yeah. And I'm, yeah, and I'm like, how do you not see that that's... <laughs> what this is anything that you have to pay to work for is not a job you are not a small business owner (laughs) a small business owner oh my gosh yeah that's what they call themselves they Mm -hmm. call themselves Mm -hmm. small business owners it's all part of it yeah and the thing is is that those people are probably very talented and creative and if they put that money into doing something with their own minds and their own ideas they could have a shop on etsy which would make them a small business owner. Right. <laughs> but you can't do that in America because you can't buy health insurance and you'd be screwed. So, yeah. I love this country. <laughs> I seriously, I love this country. Honestly, it's the best. Yeah, like there are, there are still flaws with it, but it's it's much better than, than the and situation. People are trying. People are the, trying. Yeah, not people doing, are trying. That's how I always think, I say to my husband, I'm like, Ireland is moving in the right direction. Like, I feel so positive and uplifted about living here. Like, I've just, I, I, you know, just think that it's just going to get better and better and better and better and better. And I'm just so excited to see, you know, what the young people are doing. Like, I'm saying this like I'm old. I am old, but not that old. But, you know, I'm just really interested in. the youngest here. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Still 34. (laughs) Big kid. <laughs> but uh yeah like it's just it's really inspiring to see what everyone is doing um and just like just like little things like the toy show when they raise like how many millions in like an hour yeah. it's just it's just I, I just now i love this you. country i really oh i feel and, very lucky to be here and the way like again the toy show like oh my god this was our first year watching it, and i was just like oh my god just you know take all my money please oh i know <laughs> But it was just, oh, these kids were so inspiring and just, you know, it was just, it was so interesting, you know, coming from from America where everything is so negative. Not everything, but that's like, that's like the national mood to just see like, let's find the positivity in these kids who are, you know, going through stuff, but we're going to really like, like focus on what's going well for them and how we can like uplift them. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Oh my God. I'm so glad we're here. I love that yeah. they had Adam on on um, last week on the Late Late Show, and um, yes, yeah, he zoomed with Chris Hadfield, the the I'm astronaut. That, yeah. and, oh, it just—I don't I know. Just, I, I think that's one nice thing about living in a small country is like you know when something happens, like or you see someone, it just whips around social media really fast, and like things happen fast to support people, and I just think that's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And and all, all like all of our little like uh, Christmas decorations. Verity's been and my daughter's six. She's been drawing little hearts like Adams for just oh. everything. And they've been doing that at her school. And like all like all of the kids, like the entire like you know under ten, I guess population of the country is all like now drawing little hearts. Just you know inspired by Adam. And I was like, that's amazing that they're all again taking this positive you know energy and trying to like you know put good things out there in the world. Like oh. If you didn't watch the toy show, if you're in America, um, this, this kid, Adam, had these hearts that were like a socially distant hug and he would hold it up um, to kind of give to show the other person that he was giving them sort of this socially distant hug. It was just like literally the sweetest thing in the world. 
It was yeah, it was amazing. And and again, my six year old's like, he has brittle bones, but he's had all of these things done. I'm like, oh my God, you know, like this kid's whole medical history and you're like ready to regurgitate it for me. But like they have been talking about it at school. Like they really? are so wow. like, yeah. you know, well versed in like how can we help, you know, participate? And I'm like, oh like, but it'd be nice if you would clean your room too. But oh yeah. like, you know. I think I think every child grown up in Ireland always wanted to be on the toy show for, yeah. for oh, some yeah. reason testing toys or or um, Billy Barry kids yeah and it was just I just think it was just the fact that the 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 way Adam's face lit up when he saw his favorite portrait from the hospital oh my god because other kids were like oh I want to go to Disney World and he was like oh no I just want to see my favorite portrait I know right oh it's just it's so I mean that Adam just, I think, stole all our hearts, to be honest with you. I think he's just the, the sweetest little kid. Yeah, it was amazing. And I know his dad wrote, wrote a book about him and has, has written books for his other kids, too, and too, about, like, you know, I think it's also that, you know, a big conversation of how do you deal, you know, with one kid who has special needs, but you have other kids, too. How do they, you know, how are they affected mm-hmm. by it? And yeah. he's, like, tried to sort of address that, too, and say, hey, they're also important, and how do we... You know, oh, that's wonderful you... yeah and i was like oh my god to be like so self-aware and to you know what a good again. parent they're exactly. all national treasures <laughs> just they should move into the auras with with miggledy you know <laughs> oh my gosh i know it's amazing. so is our president good. michael d higgins and what was he somebody and said one dog across... died we were a bit sad oh yeah oh, his dog. Dog. yeah 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 but i remember i can't actually remember this maybe you can help me remember it but somebody put on um on twitter that he was a cross between danny devito and someone else oh who was it interesting and it was so accurate Uh, you know what i I, i'll find it and i'll I'll post it on 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 twitter you can put it in the in the link in the description yeah 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 He's amazing. Do we want to wrap up? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're getting there. So remind me now, the next episode is January, January 15th. January okay. 15th. Yes, we're okay. taking a holiday break. Okay. We're on a break! Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for this evening, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you can find us, as usual, on um, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fear Ladies. Um, dot something i've forgotten i've blanked and we're also so you can watch us on youtube and listen to us wherever you get your podcast we'll be back next in um january we're gonna take a bit of a break over christmas so we'll be next podcast will be january 12th happy holidays
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.